And on Front Page this morning, I have the editor of Malaysian Insight, Jahabar Sadiq, with me. Good morning, Jahabar. Good morning. Now, the health ministry is looking at tapping the expertise of the private sector to overcome the lack of oncologists in public hospitals. And Minister Datuk Sri Dr. Zulkifli Ahmad disclosed this yesterday and said of the 115 oncologists in the country, only 42 were in government service. The rest are in the private sector. And uh, he's sure that we have the bigger workload as you know uh, the public sector handles 60 percent of cancer patients so i guess the question is jahabar do you feel that doctors in the private sector should have more of a sense of public service to the country and should you know any kind of sharing of expertise be voluntary or compulsory well i think there is enough uh, public service done by some of the private doctors is this goes unreported but yeah i think you know any any professional if called upon by the government or for national duty, should share their expertise and their time where possible and when possible in the country. Uh, but, you know, I think, I don't know, one point that hasn't been made is that more than one-third of the oncologists are with government service. And I think the main problem is, is there are not enough places in government hospitals to, to treat uh, cancer patients, really, more than anything else. That's right. In fact, I, I believe the um, Deputy Director General of Public Health, Dr. Chong Chi Kyung, said that they're looking at private hospitals to make um, their facilities available to the public. Do you think this will work? Uh, it will work only if the private hospitals uh, will allow it to work. You know, I do, I, so I guess it's not really a question of doctors giving their time as much as private hospitals giving space and time of their facilities for government and public sector uh, patients who need uh, uh, cancer treatment in their hospitals. Do you know of any private hospital who that that is already doing this? Not that I know of. I think in Malaysia the problem is most private hospitals specialize mainly in, if I'm not mistaken, cardiac treatment and, and, and other kind of diseases which are prevalent in Malaysia uh, because of our ongoing obesity problem. Uh, so you don't hear much about cancer in Malaysia. Uh, I think a lot of people resort to government hospitals because of the cost. And for those who are in stage 4 cancer, they just, most of them just give up on it right? and, and, and wait for their days to end. Well, coming up, the Klang MP proposes a special toll at Pulau Indah for heavy vehicles only. We'll see if this is workable right after Linka. This is the show on light. And joining me this morning on Front Page is editor of Malaysian Insight and former Reuters journalist Jahabar Sadiq. Taking a look at this headline, Klang MP proposes toll at Pulau Indah for heavy vehicles. That's right, MP Charles Santiago has raised the idea of a toll collection system in Pulau Indah that is only applicable to heavy vehicles. Um, he said the rate of road accidents on the island was abnormally high and he alleged that this was due to the high number of buses and lorries that would routinely exceed the speed limit and the victims are always motorcyclists and drivers of small cars. Now, can the government enforce selective tolls, Jabbar? Um, I don't think so. I mean, I, look, uh, it's, it's a port area. Um, I'm surprised that people are speeding there. I think instead of uh, penalizing those who drive heavy vehicles with more tolls and then add on to the cost of transport, they should put more speed bumps and, and uh, enforce the rules, right? rather than uh, penalizing people who might not even be speeding at all. And, and, you know, I mean, I think if I had to pay toll for a private road, I would 
probably speed more because I'd expect better facilities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's just unclear on the concept that there should be more enforcement and, and they should just put in more safety measures to make sure that uh, people don't speed along that stretch of road. Right. In your knowledge, has anything like what he suggested, has anything like that been done before? No, I don't think so. I, I, I don't think you impose a toll just so, so that people cut their speed. And, uh, <laughs> really, isn't it? Yeah, it might work that way. If I pay toll, I, I, I want to speed. <laughs> right. Okay. Coming up next, rumors of a cabinet reshuffle have been put to rest, or have they? We've got that story and uh, what Jabbar thinks on it right after Tony Braxton and the traffic update next on Light. And on front page this morning, Jabbar Sadiq, editor of Malaysian Insight. Now, the cabinet reshuffle rumors was created to cause tension in Pakatan. This is according to Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim. He says that this was something deliberate and he said the rumors have also been dismissed by Prime Minister Tun Dr. Mahathir Muhammad. All of this of course in response to the recent blog post claiming that Azmin Ali would be appointed Deputy Prime Minister after Chinese New Year and um, it also claimed that the rumors followed the fact that Azmin was given many important tasks by Tun Dr. Mahathir Muhammad including Chairman of the Kelantan State Action Council and possibly heading the establishment of another National Economic Action Council. Uh, Jabar is there smoke without fire? Well, you know, it's amazing that in the 21st century, in the year 2019, we still actually read blogs and, and believe whatever they say. Uh, bloggers have been largely discredited in the last two elections. They didn't help the former government win any more, or, you know, in fact, they lost more. 2013, they lost more seats. In, in 2018, they lost the government for the previous ruling party. So, you know, you know blogs have always come up with a lot of things and, and make a lot of speculations uh, based on what? Based on the fact that that uh, Azmin has more responsibilities. I, I think you can't put two and two together and get four in the sense, or 25 or 35 for that matter. I, you know, the, this, this government has just been there for nine months. They have their work cut out for them. Uh, I don't think they are performing as well as we all hope. expect them to perform. So, you know, reshuffling them or giving uh, responsibilities doesn't change the fact that they need to work as a team first, right? And uh, the reality is that they're pretty thin on, in terms of experience and talent, you know. I think most people at large feel that some of the ministers are in the wrong portfolios or have no interest in their current portfolios. So Dr. Mahathir has uh, his work cut out for him just to manage the, his current crop of cabinet ministers without reshuffling them and, and uh, thinking that they'll perform better. Right. I think they need at least a year in their post bef- uh, before he decides that you know he could fine-tune uh, what he wants out of his ministers. And then you add on the fact that you know Dr. Mahathir himself has a limited time as Prime Minister yeah. because he's promised to hand over to uh, Anwar Ibrahim sometime in the future. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't trust any of these blogs anyway because look, they're as dodgy as the last <laughs> time they started writing about anything. Now, but should a cabinet reshuffle happen? I mean, would it be so bad? Of course, I'm sure any reshuffle is just for the better, really, right? But, um, you know, uh, changing deputy prime ministers means nothing, really, because mm-hmm. it's just work. The job of a deputy prime minister is not in the constitution per se. You know, it just means that you, you assist the prime minister more than anyone else. Doesn't mean you're guaranteed. Uh, to be the next prime minister, uh, which is just that in the convention in Malaysia, is that EPMs normally become prime ministers. But Dr. Mahathir's track record shows 50 
people care to remember. That's not necessarily the case. All right. Well, coming up next, uh, does it matter if you lie on your resume? Do you think you'll never be found out? Well, one deputy minister is singing another tune after he'd been found out not studying at the actual Cambridge, Cambridge. We've got that story after Tears for Fears. Right now, this is Megan Trainer and John Legend on Light. And on front page today, Jabar Sadiq, editor of Malaysian Insight. Let's take a look at uh, the Cambridge degree that the Deputy Foreign Minister, Datuk Marzuki Yahya, claims uh, he got from Cambridge University. In fact, now it's come out that it's not from Cambridge University. He's come out and said, okay, no, it's not from Cambridge University. It's from Cambridge International University. Uh, What are your thoughts on this, Jabar? Um, You know, firstly, shouldn't credentials be checked? in the very beginning before one becomes a public servant in a high post? Uh, for sure. I mean, you know, if, if they want to become or they are appointed to any senior post in government, the powers that we should check all their credentials and make sure that they confirm what chaps have said they were or they graduated from whichever universities. But it's a long-running saga in Malaysia that we have a lot of politicians who like to pad up their resume for reasons known, known to themselves, mm-hmm. you know, and then only to be found out later. In the age of internet, people can just find out things like you know really quickly so so it's very silly to conceal this or to obfuscate it or just to just to bluff your way through this you know would, would it make a difference for this deputy minister if he graduated from itm or cambridge i don't think so because yeah. his expertise is as a deputy foreign minister isn't even there from his work experience right it's mm-hmm. a political post so you know i i think this guy should have been smarter than that obviously he isn't and it goes down to the issue of really trust and integrity yeah if you can lie about your cv you can lie about anything really. yeah i think that's what everyone is up in arms about yeah yeah so that's it well you know it also goes back to the old joke about malaysia and singapore you know that our obsession with degrees and qualifications you know the uh, singaporeans used to say their ministers all have gone to oxford and cambridge you know and malaysia's game of one-upmanship is yeah but you know our ministers have one up on you we have a well, you know, in the political arena, do academic qualifications really matter, though? I mean, your thoughts? I think it does to a fair number of people, but from the current crop of politicians in Malaysia, I think uh, when they open their mouths, uh, it just belies the fact that they went to top universities. You know, it doesn't reflect at all. It just shows that they are actually very silly people uh, with uh, very shallow thoughts uh, on anything. So I would, if I was them, I'd just be quiet about that. Universities I go to because they don't need any justice for the universities they go to. <laughs> right. Okay, well, coming up, Tabung Harpan officially closes with 202 million plus a little bit and 10 sen. We'll find out whether or not this uh, could be considered a success. That's up next here on Light. And taking a look at the front page this morning with me, Jahabar Sadiq, editor of Malaysian Insight. Now, it looks like the Tabung Harpan Malaysia has officially closed, collecting more than 202 million in about eight Eight months. So, Jabar, what do you think? Would you say this has been a success? I think it's been a success in, in uh, rallying and uh, realizing people's uh, support for the Pakatan Harapan government and, and nothing more because the amount is surely not enough to pay off the country's debts. Uh, it's more for people to crystallize their support for this new government. And uh, I guess it, pretty, it worked out pretty well. I mean, someone even gave their last 10 cents for the fund. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a lot of people were involved in this. Uh, a, a good good effort in a country where people say they are not doing too well and, and can't afford a lot of things. A uh, fair number of people managed to give whatever they can for, for, for the national cause. It's interesting that someone, that there is that 
10 cent in there, right? I mean, who wrote a check for 10 cent? <laughs> well, a check, I, uh, yeah, it was amazing, right? But I, I guess because people are so effort and, and the, the belief that, you know, every little cent helps this government in uh, wiping out the debts of the previous government, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just, it's, it's a reflection of every Malaysian or most Malaysians' desire and, uh, how do you say it, you know, loyalty and charity, to, so to speak, to, to help... Uh, do this uh, at all, you know, I mean, most people uh, would just not give any sense. Yeah. But someone was thoughtful enough to give something and added 10 cents for luck, probably. <laughs> Indeed. Now, the amount from this contribution is going towards the federal government's debt repayment. Do you know which, you know, sector will be getting a bulk of this? Any idea? Um, I don't know. I mean, it goes to debt. You know, debt is everybody's uh, share of it, and, and our debts are pretty high on, on the government side for infrastructure projects and all that. So I think this government has a tough time ahead of it just to balance the books, so to speak, and, and, and to focus on on uh, public sectors that benefit the public more, like, uh, as you spoke earlier, medical, uh, education, and, and, you know, maybe public welfare. I think those are the three things that this government has looked at and is doing its best, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. thus far. And, yeah, so, you know, all these this things need money because generally most Malaysians are, uh, don't earn as much as we they think uh, they do and, and things are getting more expensive. So the, the burden is on the government to, to lessen that by, you know, putting more primary health care, investing more in education and welfare projects. Wonderful. Well, Jabbar, thank you so much for your thoughts this morning. Jabbar Sadiq from the Malaysian Insight on the front page. And of course, if you'd like to listen to the entire front page this morning, you can go to our website a little later after 10 at light.my.